You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Anyway, it's good to be back, and it was good to uh, have a couple of uh, Sundays where we were on vacation. One of the things that happened while uh, we were on vacation, I uh, passed over that threshold of 60, uh, so I'm, I'm 60 now. I know what you're thinking, Pastor Jeff, you make 60 look so easy. <laughs> but it's, it's good to be back. So we've kind of been uh, on this series of the uh, fruit of the Spirit, and one of the things I've really been trying to emphasize that uh, what's so important to understand about the fruit of the Spirit is it's really one of the ways, and there are several ways that God wants to work, change, and transformation into our lives, because that really is uh, God's main goal for us is our transformation. It, it is changing you and I more and more into the image and the likeness of Jesus. Now, when I say that, what I mean by that is, is God's goal for each one of us as believers is that every day we are becoming more and more like Jesus and that we think like Jesus thinks. We speak like Jesus speaks. We act like Jesus acts. That's, that's what that transformation is about, is God is in the process of conforming each one of us more and more into the image of Jesus. And one of the ways that God does that is through the fruit of the Spirit. That's why it's so important uh, to focus on that, to talk about that, to understand that, so that we're able to kind of cooperate and work with God in what he's trying to do um, in and through us. So I want to just kind of share the verses, and you know, I always think context is so important uh, when you're reading the Bible because, again, it's very easy to pull scriptures, you know, uh, apart and out of context, and sometimes we can make them say something they really don't say. And so, oftentimes, context is so important when we're reading the scriptures. And so, Paul says there in verse 16, leading up to this whole uh, part on the fruit of the Spirit, he says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. And again, one of the ways that that's gonna happen is through the fruit of the Spirit. And so he's, he's kind of leading up to this and says, I want the Holy Spirit to guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. The Holy Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And again, you don't you have to be a Christian long to really understand the reality of that is that there are those sinful, those natural, those evil desires that wage war against the desires of the Holy Spirit, the things that God is calling and leading you to do. And he says, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. And, and uh, with the very first time we kind of went through this, I just stopped and emphasized that because oftentimes we lose sight of that. And this is kind of one of those areas where the, the enemy kind of likes to get in there and likes to kind of begin to lob things like shame and guilt, condemnation. Uh, and, and he does that because what often we find when we're, we're in that battle where we're, we're feeling the tension, the pull uh, that, we're, that, that sinful nature in us and then the work that the Holy Spirit or the desires that the Holy Spirit Spirit has given us, and we feel that tension, we feel that, that pull. Uh, Paul says it like this, he says, I want to do good, but I don't. 
um, you know, the things that I ought to do, which are the things that God's calling him to do. He says, I don't do uh, the things that I should do. So he's, he's talking about that tension there. And oftentimes when we begin to feel that, that tension in there, the devil likes to go, see, if you were really saved, you wouldn't have those thoughts. See, if you, were, if you really loved Jesus, you wouldn't have those temptations. And so oftentimes, again, that's where he just kind of traffics in that guilt and that shame. And then oftentimes what happens is we, we just give in. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I guess I'm really not a Christian. I guess I really don't love Jesus. And, we, and so oftentimes we just kind of give in to that rather than recognize, hey, that's the voice of the enemy. And, and that's just that, that tension we all feel. I feel that tension between what my sinful nature desires and what God desires. I feel that all the time. And oftentimes what we've been trained as, as Christians to do is to deny that. Oh no, I, I never struggle with temptation. I, I never ever uh, do anything you know, that, that uh, my sinful nature desires. And, and so what we do is we kind of, we play this little religious game. And we try to make ourselves look better than we really are rather than just being honest. And this is kind of what Paul's doing here. He says, you know what? Th those, those, those two things, that sinful nature and, and the, the desires, the nature of God, they're, they're constantly struggling with one another. And we have to choose which one am I gonna cooperate with? Which one am I gonna, which one am I gonna surrender to? Um, and, and that's a struggle that we all face, and I think it's a struggle that we will face um, until the day Jesus either comes back or we die uh, to go be with him. So again, I think it's just important to understand that. They're constantly fighting against each other. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. There was nothing wrong with the Apostle Paul. So you're are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. He says, now when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, he says, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild party, and other sins like these. So let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, and what I love about this is, as believers, we have options. We have choices. He says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, I love the Passion Translation kind of takes this very last verse there when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, and it simply says, never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. That's, that's what he's saying there when he says there's no law, there's no limit against these, these attributes that make up the fruit of the Spirit. So when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, there are no limits when it comes to the love of God. God is love. Therefore, we know that, that God is infinite, so if God is love, his love is infinite. It's It's boundless. And God's love will never end. We, we sang that this morning. Mara led us in, in, a, in a great song of worship that again affirmed that. 
God's love, it will never give up on you. It'll never give up on me. It'll never run out on you. It'll never run out on me. And this is true of every other fruit of the Spirit that, that Paul lists there in Galatians 5.22. Again, if you were to ever try to measure, if you were ever uh, gonna try to just measure the joy of the Lord, you would come to discover that God's joy is limitless. It's immeasurable. It's inexhaustible. You cannot exhaust the love, the joy, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the kindness of God. You can't. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. There is a fullness to the joy of God. And again, it knows no bounds. It's inexhaustible. And I love what he goes on and says there. He says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Who's at the right hand of God? Jesus, yeah. So, so there sits Jesus and, and it's, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So again, as we, as we steward the presence of God, both individually and as a faith community. Again, one of the ways that we will experience God's presence is there's just gonna be a fullness of joy. God is fully and eternally joyful. And all nine of these attributes that Paul lists there in Galatians 5.22 that are a part of the fruit of the Spirit, every one of them are eternal. They are limitless and can never be exhausted because they're the very essence of who God is. Also, as I stated previously, when you look at the, those nine attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, what you can see there clearly um, is uh, the nature of God. The nature of God, what God is like, who God is, is clearly seen in those nine attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. So if someone were to ever ask, what is God like? We can point to these nine attributes found there in the spirit and the fruit of the spirit. What is God like? Well, again, God is love. He is the very essence of love. God knows God can do nothing but love. It's who he is. It's what he's like. And again, we'll never ever be able to fully understand or we'll never be able to experience God apart from his love. Again, you can't experience joy uh, fully uh, apart from God because he is the fullness of joy. He's the fullness of love. The other thing I find so amazing uh, about this whole concept uh, of the fruit of the Spirit and, and why it's important to understand that it's the very nature of God as well and we can see the nature of God in that is that when it comes to the love of God, what's important to understand is the way God loves Jesus is exactly the way he loves you and me. The love the Father has for the Son and the Holy Spirit is the same identical love he has for you and me. So God doesn't love Jesus with one kind of love and then love you and I with a, a more watered down version of love. It is the same exact essence of love that he loves Jesus with is the same love he loves us with. 
Paul confirms this in Ephesians 1, 6, talking about God's love for us. He says, for the same love he, God, has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. The kindness that, that God the Father feels toward Jesus is the same exact kindness he feels towards you and me. The gentleness that God has for the Son and the Holy Spirit is the same exact gentleness he has for you and me. What is God like? He is the kindest person you'll ever meet. He is the gentlest person you will ever experience. He is the most joyful person you will ever be in the presence of. He is the most patient, amen? He is the most patient person you will ever encounter. And so these nine attributes tell us what God uh, is like. The same gentleness that Jesus talked about there in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. He said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Again, I love, we have an option. He doesn't just say, you know what, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, just suck it up. Buck up. He says, no, you, you have an option. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because he says, I am humble. You will not find a more humble person than Jesus. And he says, not only am I humble, but he says, I am gentle at heart. You'll never find a more gentle person than Jesus. And he said, and you will find rest for your souls. He said, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Isn't that amazing? We can come to Jesus with heavy burdens. We can come bearing very, very stressful yokes. And, and Jesus says, you know what? I'll take that from you. And what I will give you in place of that is gonna be light. It's, it's not gonna be a hard burden for you to carry. It's gonna be a light burden. Again, he gives us options because this is who God is. So the gentleness that the Father has toward the Son and the Holy Spirit, it is the same exact kind of gentleness he has toward us. And there's never ever going to be a time in your life where God is gonna deal with you or interact with you apart from his kindness and his gentleness. There's never ever gonna be a time that you will encounter the presence of God, that you will not find that fullness of joy, that you will not find that boundless, that inexhaustible love. There's never a time where God is ever gonna interact or deal with us apart from any of the attributes found there in the fruit of the Spirit. So each one of these nine attributes that are listed there in the fruit of the Spirit are the ways the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit interact with each other amongst themselves, and it's also the same way that they interact with you and I. The other principle I talked about was that every circumstance... Every situation you encounter in life, no matter how big, how small, 
how significant or insignificant that circumstance or situation that you encounter or find yourself in, every one of them is an invitation by God to you and I to partner with him in allowing the necessary fruit of the Spirit to manifest itself in us and through us and into that situation and circumstance you're facing. Again, remember I talked about those two forces are constantly competing against each other where you're, you're feeling this tug of war between the sinful nature and, and the desires that God has for you. In that tension, that is where that invitation of God to say, you have choices here. In this situation, in this circumstance you find yourself in, you have options, you have choices here. And as you're feeling that tension, it's like, okay, you, you, can, you can step into hatred or you can partner with me and you can walk in the fruit of the spirit of love. You can, you can be bitter, you can be unforgiving. That's what your sinful nature desires maybe in this particular circumstance or situation. Somebody said or did something, it's made you mad. You're bitter. It's in that moment, that, again, there's that invitation. God says you have a choice. Here's an invitation to rather than give in to that bitterness, that unforgiveness, you can, you can partner with, with the fruit of the Spirit. I, I, can, I can work that attribute into you and into this situation where rather than uh, bitterness and unforgiveness, you can now begin to walk in kindness, in gentleness. That's kind of the idea there. Recently, I was reading a book on marriage and I came across this statement. The opposite of love is not hate, it is indifference. Never heard that before. And as I, I read that, I, I, I just stopped. I, I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said pause, hit, hit pause there for a moment. And just think on this statement for a moment. So I did. And I kind of began to think about all of the areas in my life where I could say, you know what? I, I was feeling indifference here. And indifference is, is just kind of, you know, being, you know, where you just kind of don't care. It's, it's not a big deal when it needs to be a big deal. Oh, it doesn't matter when it really needs to matter. That's indifference. It's a state of kind of a lack of concern or you just don't really have any enthusiasm or interest in something or someone. And I kind of thought about that statement more and, and, and one of the things that kind of came to me is, you know, is God loves. Talked about that. God loves us. God loves Jesus. God loves righteousness. God loves holiness. And God hates, we know God hates divorce. We know God hates a lying tongue. We know God hates it when, when we sow discord among the brethren. And so there's this aspect of God loves and God hates, but God is never indifferent 
So in those areas where I kind of walk in indifference, in my marriage, maybe in my relationships, maybe in, in, in my job, maybe there's areas where I'm just indifferent. You know what? Those are opportunities. Those are invitations where I'm feeling that indifference. To say, you know what? I have, I have an option here. I can, I can choose to step out of that, that place of indifference and begin to ask God, would you just begin to manifest that fruit of the spirit of love in me? So that I, I'm not indifferent, that it, it doesn't matter, that now all of a sudden that fruit of the spirit, God's love is in me and now I care. It matters. It's important. I don't wanna be indifferent. If God's not indifferent, I don't wanna be indifferent. I wanna, I wanna be conformed into his image. And if God is love, I wanna be loving. I wanna love like God loves. So again, there's that invitation for me. In those times when I'm feeling indifferent towards Janie, I've got an option. I can say, you know what, I don't want to partner with that anymore. I want to love. When I have relationships where I, I feel indifferent, it's an invitation, it's an opportunity for me to step out of that and just say, no, I love you, I care about you, you matter to me. Probably the biggest area, you know, and oftentimes we, we like indifference because it protects us. It's a place where we can go for self-protection, where I, I don't have to allow what you've done or what you've said to bother me. I can just choose to be indifferent. Oh, I don't care. It's no big deal. One of those areas where, to be honest with you, I've had to face that is, you know, through the pandemic, just through a lot of things, we've had people leave our church. People that have been here from the very beginning People that have been a part of our congregation for many, many years and for whatever reasons have just decided we're, we're, not, we're not gonna come here anymore. And again, because, you know, I wanna kind of protect my heart, you know, I, don't, I wanna kind of protect my feelings. Again, it's just very easy for me to walk in indifference. So, well, no big deal. Doesn't matter. It is a big deal. It matters. And so again, I have that opportunity to choose. Do I just continue to walk in indifference? Or do I see this as an opportunity, an invitation to step in and say, God, I want your love to manifest in and through me to, to where it's able to begin to permeate this relationship, this situation, this circumstance. That's kind of the idea there. I talked about this, you know, it's when we're in those long lines at the grocery store, you're trying to check out at Menards and you know, there's just a long line of people and the line seems to be moving very slowly or you're stuck in traffic and you start feeling what we all feel, impatience. Great opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit to say, hey, I don't wanna walk in impatience here. 
So God, I choose in this situation, in this circumstance, I'm gonna partner with you, I'm gonna invite that fruit of the Spirit, patience, to come into this situation, this circumstance, so that I can begin to take and turn that uh, for the glory of God. And so one of the things I've really been trying to discipline myself to do is when I'm in those long lines, when I'm in that slow moving traffic, rather than get impatient, I, I, I try to partner with God's uh, patience to, to, to build patience in me and then use that as an opportunity to pray for people. And when you're in that long line, begin to pray for the person that maybe is in front of you. You don't know them, God does. Just begin to pray for them. Pray for the clerk. You know, that's got to deal with all of these cranky, impatient people. Pray for them. So again, there's this opportunity, this invitation uh, to, to just bring God into whatever it is that you're struggling with um, and dealing with. And this, again, can happen in every circumstance, situation in our lives, no matter how big or small, how important or inconsequential it may be. Every situation is an invitation from God to say, hey, will you partner with me in this developing the fruit of the Spirit, which is really a transformation. It, it's an opportunity for God to make you more and more like Jesus. I love the idea of those struggling with addictions. You know, it could be drug, alcohol, shopping, food. I mean, there's a lot of addictions out there. You know, video games are, are a big addiction. And again, we can partner with the Holy Spirit in those opportunities, those situations, and, and just say, you know what? Uh, rather than giving in to all of those vices, I just choose to partner with that fruit of the Spirit of self-control. God, you give me a choice in this. And, and again, we can choose to partner with. Does this make sense, what I'm, what I'm saying? Good. So again, the key is just be open. Be aware all the time, as much as you possibly can. And when you find yourself in a circumstance or a situation and you're kind of starting to feel that sinful nature, kind of start taking control of that, again, that is an opportunity just to stop and realize I have options as a believer here. I have choices the world doesn't have and the world can't give you. But God has options and choices where we don't have to give in to that stuff. We can walk in, in greater victory um, in all of that. So again, it's just really an opportunity for the Spirit of God not to just manifest in you, but to be able to manifest in the uh, situation, the circumstance you find yourself in. So a couple of weeks ago, Janie looked at the attribute of love. Last week, Mark kind of talked about the attribute of joy. And so I, I wanna just kind of start this morning. I probably won't get through all of it, but we'll get a good, uh, good start into it. I wanna kind of just talk about that uh, attribute of peace. Now it's interesting, I kind of Googled uh, th this phrase, characteristics of peace. And I found that there were over 233 million, 233 million different sites, definitions, uh, websites, articles, organizations, institutions, therapies, meditation, religions, and a whole host of other things that were all designed to achieve and maintain peace in the world. 
As you stop and kind of think about that and, and you look at all of the things that are out there that are available to us in, in, in trying to achieve the characteristics of peace and, and the, the, the many things that are at our disposal, the world seems to be less and less a place of peace. As a matter of fact, if you were to read most newspapers, if you were to read most uh, blogs or articles on the website, uh, that you know, sense of that characteristic of peace seems to be more and more and more elusive. Why is that? Well, see, because the world is looking for a worldly peace. Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I give you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Now again, the world will love you, but it's not the love of God. The world will, will be gentle with you, but it's not the gentleness of God. The world will, will offer you peace, but it'll be on their terms. Jesus said, no, no, the, the kind of peace I am going to give you is a peace you'll never find in the world and apart from me. And that's what a lot of these 233 million different hits there are all designed to do. It's, it's to bring a, a worldly peace, a peace that is on their terms. You do what I do, you think what I think will have peace. Jesus simply says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give to you. So it's kind of a fake peace, really. Then you kind of step back and you look at some of the organizations. You know, we've got the Peace Corps. We've got the Nobel Peace Prize. We've got the Peace Allegiance, Peace Action Institute, the, peace, the World Peace Prayer Society, International Peace Institute, the United Nations on Peace and Security, International Peace Bureau, the Peace Fund, the Peace Project, Greenpeace, Veterans for Peace, Jews for Peace, Buddhists for Peace, Grannies for Peace, Pets for Peace. Uh, we've got songs like John Lennon, Give Peace a Chance. How many of you remember that song? Or, or maybe Cat uh, Stevens' Peace Train. I'm dating myself on that one. We've got peace games. We've got a peace museum, you know, devoted to artifacts of peace. They even have a peace college where you can go and get a degree in, yeah, get a degree in peace. All of this and much, much more devoted to and for peace, and yet we are becoming less and less of a peaceful people and a world. How can this be? Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 9. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be the children of God. Now again, notice there, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peace lovers. We all love peace, but oftentimes we don't know how to make or to maintain peace, God's peace. Again, everybody loves peace as long as it's on their terms. I love how the new translation, the New Living Translation translates this. It says, God blesses those who work for peace. 
We gotta work at being at peace with God. We've got to work at being at, with peace at, at other, with other people. There are things that we can do and need to do, and we're gonna talk about those as we kind of begin to look at this uh, fruit of peace because there's two misconceptions, two myths that people have when it comes to peace. And the first one is peace is avoiding the problem. One of the ways that we oftentimes approach peace, both in the world and sadly in the church, is we kind of just take whatever problems, issues that are happening, and we kind of just tend to sweep them under the rug. Again, peace is not avoiding the problem. It's not running from an issue. It's not pretending that it doesn't exist or, or sticking our head in the sand. A lot of people simply avoid issues rather than just dealing with them. They'll say things like, well, we, let's just not talk about it. it. Let's not make waves. You know, if we just ignore the problem, eventually it'll go away. I have done that so many times. You know, I'll kind of see an issue, I'll see a problem in the church, in a relationship, and, and I'll just kind of say, you know, I, I, I think I'll just kind of give that some time. You know, time heals all things, don't we? We say that too, right? Time heals all things, and really what we're saying is, you know what, if I just ignore this long enough, it'll just kind of take care of itself. And you know what I have found? It doesn't. Most often, it just gets worse. What I'm looking for is peace. I'm looking for reconciliation, but the things that I'm doing, my attitudes, my actions, my response is anything but peace. It's ignoring, it's avoiding. It's not wanting to do the work of peace that God blesses. Because we gotta work at peace. So when you avoid conflict by just running from the problem, again, that's not peacemaking. That's what we call peace faking. And, and again, that is fake peace. Uh, uh, a more blunt way to say it is that's cowardice. We're, we're being cowardly when we're running from issues. Second misconception is peacemaking is appeasing another person for the sake of peace. You know, oftentimes what ends up happening here is, you know, I'll just do what you say you want done here just so we can have peace. I'll just go along to get along. I'll acquiesce, even though I don't agree with you, I don't like what you're doing, I'm just gonna acquiesce, I'm gonna go along because I just want there to be peace. As Christ followers, God doesn't expect us to be doormats. God doesn't expect us just to acquiesce, especially in the face of evil. You study the ministry of Jesus, he never backed off of a legitimate issue. There were times where he stood very firm in the face of opposition because Jesus knew this was the right thing to do. This was the godly thing to do here. Healing on the Sabbath was a no-no to the religious people, but, but Jesus was firm on that. God heals always, every day. God never takes a day off. 
You know, blessing the children. Remember the disciples kind of discouraged them and rebuked the children from coming to him. Jesus said, no, no, let the little children come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. Driving the money changers out of the temple, fellowshipping with sinners. Ooh, that was a big one. Just a few examples. See, the eventual result of appeasement is always resentment. Whenever you're appeasing people, there will come a point in time in that relationship where where you're gonna start having resentment. It builds up in you. And again, when you are constantly swallowing your feelings, when you're constantly swallowing that, that appeasement, it just kind of begins to do a number on you on the inside. Peace at any price, it's not legitimate peace. It's not lasting peace. And it's not really ever gonna lead anywhere helpful or productive. So let me just kind of just, uh, we'll, we'll kind of uh, end this. I wanna just kind of talk about the three types of peace that we do find in the Bible. And then we'll kind of pick it up here next week. The first is eternal peace. The peace that God offers, the peace that Jesus gives us is an eternal peace. This is the kind of peace you and I can have with God. When we become born again, we can have peace in our relationship with God. I love what Paul says in Romans 5.1. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is eternal peace. And that, that is there for every one of us. It, it's, it's what it means to be a child of God. The wrath of God has been satisfied against my sins. God is no longer angry. God, I am at peace now with God. I am reconciled with God. He is my father. I am his child. That is that eternal peace. And we can have peace with God when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when we put our trust in his redeeming work of the cross. It's one of the many benefits of being in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. When Jesus went to the cross, when his blood was shed for our sins, and when he died in our place, it was then and there that we had access to peace with God. Second type of peace is external peace. That's peace with other people. I have peace with God. I can have peace with you. Paul says in Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with one another. This again, that's where we work at peace. When it comes to conflict in relationships, there's my part and there's your part. The only part I can do is my part. The only part you can do is your part. How many times are we more interested in trying to do the work in the other person and we kind of ignore the work that needs to be done or our part in that? Well, if you would just apologize. Well, what, what is, what is, Paul says, what, what is your part in this? I mean, if, if you're gonna really come to peace, as much as it depends on you, what, what do you need to do? What do you need to focus on? What do you need to offer? What do you need to bring to the table to be at peace? Again, we know what the other person needs to do and should do, 
ought to do. But me, nothing. I'm just, I'm waiting for them to do their part. Paul said, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, and again, as the saying goes, it takes two to tango. When it comes to keeping peace with others, there's only so much you can do. And what you need to do to work at, to keep, to maintain peace, we must do as Christ followers. We can't control how the other person's gonna react, how they're gonna respond when it comes to keeping and making peace, but we are obligated to do all that we can do when it comes to being at peace with others. So there is eternal peace, peace with God. There's external peace, that's peace with others. And then there's the third one, internal peace. And this is the peace that Paul talks about there as a part of the fruit of the Spirit. That is internal peace. Colossians 3.15 kind of captures this and it says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. This is that, that peace that Jesus gives. Jesus said, it is a peace that passes understanding, meaning the world will not ever understand or know that peace apart from God because what the world offers is fake peace, so my peace I give to you, and that peace that God gives, Paul says that peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. World peace, worldly peace can't do that. And that's one of the, the internal pieces, uh, the, the internal uh, aspects that, that God gives us in peace is that that peace that God gives us, that internal peace that God gives you and I, it is designed to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I mean, if you think about it, isn't that where most of our issues come from, our thoughts and our hearts? That's where most of our, our warfare is. And again, we have a choice, we have options. I can try to go with worldly peace, and we talked about what that looks like, or again, I can choose to partner with God in this situation, in this circumstance, where I'm just gonna walk in that, in, in that internal peace. I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow the peace that God gives that, that surpasses understanding, I'm gonna allow that peace to guard and to keep my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. So let me just end with this this morning and just uh, we'll, we'll pick up here and we'll talk a little bit more about peace next week and then we'll jump into the, uh, the next fruit of the Spirit. I, I just wanna just again, just invite you this morning that are there, again, as, as I have shared just in my own life, you know, uh, looking at that, that whole issue of indifference, it, it, and that maybe resonates for some of you here this morning. Maybe you've never really heard that statement before. Maybe you've never really given much thought to that. And maybe as you kind of just look at your life, you look at your relationships, um, maybe situations, circumstances in your life, maybe you're kind of like me and you're like, you know what, there's, there's just are, are areas of indifference in me. There's areas of indifference in my marriage. There's areas of indifference in my relationships with people at work or, or people even here in the church. Maybe here this morning, maybe you, you don't have that eternal peace with God. Maybe you've never ever asked Jesus to forgive you. Maybe you've never ever invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior this morning. 
And maybe he, you're here this morning, you're just saying, you know what, I want that external peace. I want to know that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And I want to know that in, the, in between time, between now and the point that I die, I just want to know that I'm at peace with God. Romans kind of talks about that we can be friends of God. That's kind of a neat thought. God wants to be friends with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be your father, and he wants you to be his child. I think Mark kind of maybe, did you talk about that at the beginning, about sons and daughters? Okay, maybe it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me, but maybe it was Charlisa. Maybe you were talking about that. You know, God chose you before the foundations of the earth. He chose you in love to be his son and his daughter. He didn't wait for you to be born. He didn't wait for you to, you know, to, to start living life. And, and God looked at the way you were living life, and he's, and he's deciding as he's watching, do I want them or not? Do I like them or not? Do I, do I like what he says? Do I like what she does? And then I'll, I'll kind of decide whether I want them as a son or... Paul says, before the foundations of the earth, before Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before that moment ever happened, the Bible says God chose you and me to be in Christ. And part of that package is, is that we get to be in relationship with our Father. We get to be friends with Father God. So maybe you're here this morning and you're just looking for that external peace. Maybe you're here this morning and you've kind of got a need for external peace. Maybe you've got some broken relationships. God gave me an opportunity over vacation to mend a relationship with my sister-in-law. She had called me a couple of years ago and uh, I was not very kind to her on the phone. And so God provided an opportunity this past week to mend that, to add, and I, I asked for her forgiveness. I had, I had harbored bitter feelings against her. Something happened several years ago and I just kind of closed my heart off to her. And I would see her at family functions and you know I would eke out a hello, uh, but it wasn't very kind or you know, passionate, it was just kind of a obligated hello and just then avoided her the rest of the time. And God provided an opportunity for me to acknowledge that that phone call did not go well. And God just provided an opportunity for me to say to her, will you forgive me? So external peace in our relationship, maybe that's what you're here and in need of today. Or maybe it's just that internal Peace. Maybe there's just are some things, you're a, you're a believer, you love God, you love Jesus. There's just some things right now that, that, are, that are, you're struggling with. And again, those are those heavy burdens where, where we're, we're feeling a heaviness. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your health. I mean, there, maybe there's a heaviness, a burden that you're feeling this morning. 
And you just want that peace that passes understanding. And you want that peace to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And, and, and the way that that peace feels like, it, it's, it's just rather than you worrying about it, you, the, the peace just simply says, man, I, I give this to you. I trust God that what's going on in this situation, you have a plan here. You have a provision here. If it's your health, God has a provision for your health. If it's your finances that are burdening you and weighing you down, God has a plan for that. And God doesn't want you struggling on the inside. He wants to be able to give you that internal peace. I love what 2 Peter, I think it's chapter one, talks about. Everything pertaining to life and godliness has already been provided. That's where we find that peace in realizing that, that, that everything in this life and, and pertaining to my godliness, my walk in Christ, it's all been provided. I love uh, the, the New Passion translation says, it's been already deposited into you. It's there, just waiting to be used. Just waiting for us to kind of partner with God in that, that we can begin to walk out in that internal peace. So you are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.